and welcome to episode 431 of the Awesome <laughs> Comics Podcast, the place where a small press makes one hell of a big noise. My name is Vince Hunt. How did you do voice. that? What? I just said a rude word and I was still laughing, but you managed to be sensible. Because I'm the only bloody professional here, but now I've got to redo it, considering you... <laughs> no, do, keep going. No, That's no, fine. no, 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 going. no, no. Well, all right, all right then. This yeah. is what you get. I'm joined by the uh, creator, Dan Butcher. Hello. And some other bloke. Welcome to, welcome to the show. <laughs> Tony Esmond's here as well. Uh, welcome to the show, folks. Um, in quite possibly, we just had a fun interview, haven't we? The, we yeah, it's been great. A, great interview. A, a great interview, which is uh, coming up. It's soon. a beast of an interview. Oh, I see what he did. <laughs> <laughs> that was a stinker. And, and it's a great yeah. way to start off yeah. our month of horror, which is uh, leading up to our Halloween special. But we're going to be mm. talking about. All monsters, great and small, over the next few weeks. There's five weeks in October, five shows in October, I think, gents. Oh, is there? I think oh, that's so. good. I think so. So we'll be talking about indie comics, like the horror comic, the horror eerie. genre, ghosts, monsters, uh, slashes, Hollywood sort of icons turned into comic books, all kinds of things, as well as things <laughs> as, uh, not your books, Tony, as well as things like, I don't know, giant, gigantic robotic dinosaur giant dinosaur cyborgs yeah um yeah. If that sounds specific is that because we were joined that's by pretty Geo- horrific yeah and we were joined by geo parsons um this week um to talk about beast of bauer boulevard and more and a little bit of a comic book writing discussion as well yeah nice a lot, lot, lot of good headspace stuff there wasn't there about how you yeah. go about stuff and yeah 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 Good. So, um, lot, lots, and we're not going to mess about too much before that. I mean, we have things like uh, who are our sponsors actually? Comic, Comic House. House, Comic House, the lovely Comic Comic House. I'm, I'm just testing them, listeners. I'm just testing them this week because they're getting a little bit spicy. So I need to control. I was just them. on Comic House. I need to control them through some tough love. Uh, but Comic yeah. House is, of course, an indie comic marketplace that loves indie comics as much as you do, as much as we do, as much as anyone who checks out Comic House does. There's a huge selection of titles on their database. Um, if you self-publish, you can you can add your work on there as well. Another avenue to get get it out into the open world, the wild west of uh, comics purchasing. They also have a feature section on their site, and this stuff being added to there all the time. And they have an app, a brilliant app. That if you sign up, it's basically like Netflix for comics. Subscription service, only £3 a month. You get access to that growing library. Uh, what's on there at the moment, Dan? <laughs> so, oh, why is he laughing now? God. What is happening? We've got the timely <laughs> release of John Lee Nonley Volume 1, The Great Christmas Crossover. So, uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Totally what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Got Headless Volume 1. Ichabod Crane is a quiet young boy at the Sleep Hollow Academy in the countryside of New York State. <laughs> After finding Mysterio... Oh, come on, go on. Okay. <laughs> right. so both- and we've got Sick, Sick Volume 1 and uh, Blop Bloop and the Pigeon Pandemic, which more of later in the shout-out section. So stay tuned for that. I managed well to bring it around, Vince. I was yeah, almost fine. That worked out fine. No. No, nothing, nothing about that worked. <laughs> Absolutely nothing about that worked. I don't know what's wrong with you both. Um, what? But, but we'll We're that. fine. 
Dan sounds like he's falling off the world. What is he doing I, now? A pen, I don't a pen know. attacked him. Went, oh, a pen jumped out my a pot. A pen so jumped out the pen pot, and I'm, there's no coincidence we're doing horror show, horror series of things. Uh, it's kind of a, what po- is a horror show? ghost or something. What is a horror show? It's what is happening to this show yeah. right now. But what is not a horror is Comic House. We love them. Yeah, so if you go to ComicHouse.com, yeah. find out more about a 14-day yeah. trial. And to Pete and the Comic House gang, as sorry. always, as my eternal yeah, apologies. But I don't... I mean, if this makes you feel better, Pete, I don't think that this kind of uh, behaviour is going to get any better through the whole show. So I don't think it was just for your sponsorship ad. I think no. I'm going to have to put up with these two. No, we were quite sensible during the interview. Oh, yeah. yes. Well, yeah. how could how could you not be? Trying to impress our, our Hollywood guest. The yes. interview? Yes. Speaking of which, while I try and figure out a way to admonish you both... I'm only, I'm only joking. Mm. Calm down, calm down, <laughs> Tony. While we while we go into the green room, um, you want to hear about some uh, horror comics and just comic talk in general. So here is our interview with the one and only Geo Parsons. Okay, then, folks, we are kicking off our month of horror in a pretty monstrous way this yep. week. Mm. If you've listened to any recent episode of the show, you've heard us talk about the creature feature comic, The Beast of Barrow Boulevard. Cool, that's a mouthful. And we just <laughs> had to talk more about it. So this week we're joined by another guest from across the pond and the writer of the book. Welcome to the show, Geo Parsons. Oh, all right. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's very, it's, it's my privilege. I'm very happy to be here, and I, I can't a thank privilege. you enough. And thank you. A privilege. Yeah. 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 Oh, thanks. Don't so, <laughs> say that at the end. This is, <laughs> this, this, is a, I, this is weird. I'm I'm speaking with my California accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, um, just to get us, I mean, we're gonna jump straight into it. Um, Beaster Bauer Boulevard. Is that your first comic work? It's my first series for sure. Um, I've done a lot of anthology, little eight-page books um, yep. from American mythology. I've done a couple of uh, um, uh, scary Christmases, and I've done a little helping out, uh, just just basically being a, a sounding board when uh, American mythology did the Willie's Wonderland uh, prequel. Uh, but this was my first venture into a full series of three books. So it's, it, was, it's, it is it is my virgin book for sure. Nice, nice. <laughs> now, you brought up Willie's Wonderland, and that's probably yep. where um, some people may recognize your name um, because you are the writer of that crazy film. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, watched, I watched it about three months ago. I loved it, man. But I, I was reading that you you played the Nicolas Cage part in the short movie version of it. Is that right? As yeah. Well as having written it. Yeah. So when I was when I was trying to get um, just kind of any traction behind it, uh, what I did, there was a couple friends of mine uh, went to a buddy's garage and then uh, we uh, uh, got my buddy and we put him in a big like animatronic kind of weasel bear suit and... <laughs> Where's this uh, going? I'm, we're big fans of <laughs> we're big fans of furries on this show, Gio. I'm not yeah, sure well, aware I'm, of that. You, so. I mean, you guys would be absolutely in love with him because he was like about six foot, <laughs> almost seven feet tall, and padded to the gills. And then uh, I, I like had him. a big, <laughs> <laughs> I had a big beard, and uh, we shot the scene that was it. Actually, ended up in the movie. It's where Ozzy, the ostrich, and the janitor. Uh, if you guys know the movie, he's he's sweeping up for the first time, and the ostrich comes at him, and then the ostrich like kind of picks a fight with him, and then he kicks the crap out of the ostrich. 
well, that's what we shot in my friend's garage, and I was the janitor, and my friend was the animatronic. And then I used that short uh, just to send it out to like so many people, just trying to get somebody to pay attention to it. And um, what happened was eventually it ended up uh, getting to a friend of mine who was a casting director, and the casting director really liked it. And she was like, you know, uh, do you have a full script for this? I said, yes, I do. And I got her the script, and she said, I know – that you had yourself as the janitor here, but if you got it to somebody of some talent, we could actually make a movie of this. <laughs> and so I said, well, who do you have in mind? She's like, let's send it to Nicholas Cage. And it was amazing because oh, fair enough. Yeah, she, yeah, she, did, yeah. 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 Yeah, she did what she said she was going to do. She gave it to him and uh, uh, he read the thing in like a weekend. I remember she gave it to him like a Friday. He read it over the course of a weekend, and on Monday, he was like, yeah, I'll be the janitor. <laughs> nice. It was like I suppose a, it was for him, like a, it's like a lovely job, because he doesn't actually have to learn any lines for it, does he, either? Yeah, that's probably what he was thinking. He's like, ah, oh, it's simple. <laughs> 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 Plus, you know, like the way it's written on the – you don't see it in the – it does come off in the movie, but in the script, it's like, this is the most baddest-ass dude that's ever lived, all this kind of stuff. And I'm sure he's just reading this, like, nodding along, going, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so, is that uh, how you got into American mythology, then, is it? Because I know they they then did a prequel comic, which you like. You just said you gave some advice to. Is that Was that the intro to AM, or...? Yep, exactly. So after the movie had come out, uh, AM uh, uh, licensed the uh, rights to to do comic books based on the Wu's Wonderland mythology. And uh, I uh, contacted them and was just like, hey, I see you guys are doing this comic series and I'm more than happy to give any kind of advice or and I also uh, if you guys uh, I also kind of used it as a springboard to talk myself into like I wanted to learn how to do comic books because I had never done it before but it was always something that I read and was a great interest to me and I figured like well maybe if I um, you know can help out with these guys they will in turn you know give me a, a crash course on how to do it and it, it worked out beautifully we've had a great partnership cool. nice yeah. and that that in turn so how did the the beast come about so you had that sort of relationship and uh, obviously they're gangbusters publishing you know they're they're, they're horror they're a horror sort of specific IP horror yeah. sort of kind of guys aren't they yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. That the that their bread and butter would be like intellectual property horror stuff. Um, they also do uh, some some funny things, the so Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy stuff like that. But I'd say that their their bread and butter would be that that intellectual property horror um, and some original stuff. But I had I had um, you know we had we had done the uh, four Willy one Willy's Wonderland prequel books, and I kind of just helped in just marketing them to the audience and telling people to pick them up and read them. And uh, then I had done the uh, the scary Christmas books and that was kind of my foray into comic book writing. Like they said, Hey, we, you know, if you want to do a scary Christmas, do an eight page book and, uh, and send it to us. And I, the first one I did, I sent it into them and they like, they just laughed at me because it had like, <laughs> there's like 25 pages, like 25 uh, uh, pictures or panels per page and like all this dialogue. <laughs> and they're like, dude, try again. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I'm guessing you come from a, did you study film at UCLA? Did you? Or? I studied geography at UCLA. Oh, wow. okay, <laughs> okay, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, I kind of know which way North is, <laughs> but but what I was doing was um, when I when I was uh, 
after I graduated, I had uh, gotten into acting. I booked a commercial and, and made like a ton of money just showing up and saying, I like fried chicken. <laughs> I was like, well, this yeah. is a great deal. I got to get into this. So I, uh, I, I, I was doing commercials and this um, commercial agent that was sending me out, she's like, you got to get into an acting class if you want me to continue to do it. So I did. I started acting. And I'd be doing these scenes and it wasn't really for me as far as just re I, like I had fun, but I, I more liked like just writing my own scene. Yeah. So I would, I would start writing my own scenes and then I would start writing my own plays and kind of bringing them to life. And so I think that uh, just doing from plays to movies, to comic books, it was like, it was like a good transition all except in the movies and the comic book or the movies and the plays, you can write as much as you want. In the comic books, you mm. got three or six panels per page and keep the dialogue down. <laughs> yeah. So, so there was quite a, a big learning trajectory, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. I think there is, there is a, a thing where, especially for me, just from reading them and you, you don't necessarily realize that it's, it's a, it's an artistic practice, but it's also a business. So you're limited to a certain amount of pages that you can get within a book and mm. a certain number of panels you can ask the artist to do per page and a certain amount of dialogue that's going to fit on that page. And you got to figure out how to take that story and make it all work within yeah. the limits that you're given. Yeah. So I do think you it's work, much I'm guessing you work closely with editors and stuff, you know, or I say that again, I guess you work closely with some editors. Did you to sort of hone what you were doing? Being yeah. So Jim, Jim Kowarik, who's over there, and S.E. Check, who are like the main guys over at American Mytho, really took me under a wing as far as the comic stuff goes and and, and, and really worked with me on, like, this is, the, this is the best way to look at it. This is how you should do it. You know, they really took their time with me um, uh, and, and kind of gave me the crash course on the best way to handle it. And then the other thing I learned was, you know, you have to trust the artist with the comic yeah. book stuff like you shouldn't be the person is this just speaking myself personally you, you shouldn't be the person that tells them this is you know this guy's hand is this big and this person's tie is this long no mm. no 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 you just give the description and let that artist do what they're talented at and just create it on the page i think camera views as well it must be another thing i know we often talk about that when we script stuff you know this can be seen overhead this can be you know a bird's eye you know a worm's eye view and stuff like that i mean that's something that you would probably specify in a, a movie script or a play would you but not in a comic or uh, you know a lot of that it, a lot of that stuff i've kind of learned just for both in in writing screenplays and for the artist in the comic book is just kind of give a broad description of what you think it should look like or feel like and let them create especially if you trust them because like the director of a movie it's not going to be like a coloring book where they're just going to fill in the gaps. They're going to make yep. it their own, whether or not you tell them this is the way it should be or not. That director is going to go, well, I'm the director. I'm going to you know, do it the way that I want to do it. And that's what they've been hired to do. And I think the artist, too, it's like you can give – if there's something extremely important that you need to get across for the purposes of the of story, yeah. get that in. But otherwise, my I've, I've had the best luck just going like keeping it very simple and just letting them create yeah i mean we talk a lot about that difference between movies and comics and in a way and not this isn't always things that happen but often in comics the movement happens between the panels you know whereupon in a movie you can write a man does a somersault mm. and punches but you know in a comic it's somersault break punch you know there's there's yeah. different <laughs> things going on aren't there you know um in i was going to say you know in a lot of the um this is a good example, just as far as script to screen in the Willie's Wonderland movie, 
the janitor does a lot of like like super ninja fighting like i wrote it in there like he's doing like bruce lee stuff and he's doing flips against the wall and he's doing all this stuff but then the director gets it and he's got eight hours to shoot the stuff and now there's only six hours like, ah, i'm not doing any of this he's just going to punch him in the face you know what i mean it's like, <laughs> So I think that it's good as far as a screenplay. I think just to keep the the reader entertained, like basically you got to get it. You have to get who's ever reading it just to like want to continue to read it. So with a screenplay, here, this, this is a good screenplay to comic things that I'll say as far as just anybody out there that's doing both. With a screenplay, I think you can be a little bit more artistic with your action and your words and your stuff mm-hmm. because even though the director is going to eventually take it and do what they will with it, you still want to be able to get that director hooked, get that producer hooked, get that actor hooked. And if you can do it more, um, just just throw on all the bells and the whistles when you do the script, that's fine, just to hook those people. But when you're doing the comic book and you know the comic book's getting made, you don't need all the bells and whistles. You can just go very simple with everything and keep it, keep it uh, uh, just as minimal as possible as far as me. Um, just so the artist knows what they're going to, you know, what they're going to create on the page. I think with the script, go a little bit bigger. With uh, comic, I go a little bit smaller. I think that's keeps sage advice. Totally. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. Keep, it keeps like the, the rhythm and the pace up. Uh, certainly with a, I think reading a comic script when uh, when you're an artist is a, is a very different experience to like a, a writer reading it as well, isn't it? Mm. Um, they want yeah, to, I think they, they want to know what to draw, but they... You know, if you if it, if we're talking three pages of a script just to describe one panel, yeah, what, that's what? the the story about Alan Moore and Watchmen, isn't it? Famously, that he when he sent it to Dave Gibbons, he's got like pages and pages of actual typewriter type on a page. You know, that he would fax him. You know, and Dave Gibbons would read it once, and then go back through with a highlighter and just highlight the bits, bits he, needed he needed to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't, yeah, I, in a way, I don't kind of mind because I think Alan's kind of giving the mood and everything, which he's read. He's you know he's ingested it, and then he just goes through and like this. This is what I need to draw. Yeah. Well, I've got it here somewhere, you know. I think from the like the just if 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 you were to give somebody the the uh, just a script to read, like on an airplane, like I'm flying home tomorrow. If I, I if I was flying home, would I rather want to read a movie script or a comic script? I'd much rather want to write the movie script because it's going to read more like a book and I'm going to be able to feel more from the book. I think the way that, that I've seen the comics, it's just, it's not as fun to read without the words once or without, I'm sorry, without the, without the art. Once the art comes in, it's just like, wow, you know, it just changes everything drastically. I mean, do you find there's a, an immediacy to comics that you don't get with film? Cause I'm guessing Willie's Wonderland was years in the making, but with American mythology, we read we read your comic about a month ago, and I messaged you the other day, and you said it's seventy next issue seventy five percent done. We should have it any minute. So it's yeah, to brilliant. you, you're getting from the brain to the you know to the product so much quicker. When you come like for me, when I came from doing plays, you write you write a play, then you rehearse the play, then you put up the play, and there's like you know the words and the, what you've written becomes a product on stage, and you can see it, and it pays off. And I think that. One of the things that I find frustrating about writing a script is that unless you're doing a short film that you can produce yourself, if you're trying to get somebody to actually make the movie, it could be like you're saying, like Willy's Wonderland to take a decade. You know, it takes a long time and you can just have this thing that nothing happens with it and you can just it feels like an unfinished product with the comic books. Like you're saying, yeah, Beast of Bauer Boulevard. 
you know, we, we finish the script and the artist works on it. Then you're getting pencils of the, uh, the art. Wow. Look at that. Now it's ink. Now it's colored. You know, it's, it just, it's, it is a thing. It's like a reward system to your brain where like, ding, yeah. oh, it's been paying yeah. off. Oh, I'm getting the reward. So There's yeah, nothing certainly. like waking up and looking at, looking at your, your emails and thinking, God, the paint, the, the, the art's in for this page. How, how does that look? It, that, it changes yeah. when I, cause I'm just a writer. The other two guys are writer artists, but when I get a, a page of art through, it almost changes how I view a comic a little bit as well. Somehow. I mean, have you, have would, you had to adapt as you go along or. Yeah. I would say that uh, I've, I've had a, in, in the short time that I've been doing this, one of the things that I've tried to tr trick my brain into doing is not imagining the way that I want to see it. I just want to, I just want to be surprised with what the artist comes up with. Um, I think that's like that. And I've been extremely lucky with all the artists that I've worked with that, that they have enhanced uh, everything that I've put down. And I would say that with the movies too, that like the the directors, the actors and the artists that I've worked with have all enhanced the product and made me as the writer look better than I actually am. I agree, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get a good writer. It's, that's why it's a collaboration, isn't it? You know, that's yeah, why. it is. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So, the movies. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was going to say. Sorry, man. No, movies, go on. Please. Uh, no, the, the, the movie is a collaboration of hundreds of people all working together. And then the comic book is a collaboration of, of dozens of people all working together. And even though you, you don't really see it or, or read it in the credits, but yeah, there's there's hundreds and, and dozens of people that all kind of bring it to life. Yeah. I mean, but like normally like with a, with a comic like the core group is like it's like a band isn't it really you got like you know you got the writer artist colorist you know i mean the publishers are all doing the, the important work of setting PR, it all up yeah <laughs> and setting it all up so it can go out in the world but when the when the story's being created it's a more intimate thing isn't it between like a, a writer and the artist etc i mean what was that collaboration process like for you to have that sort of back and forth it, it, it was actually with all the uh, all the artists I've worked with. It's been very smooth. There's never been any sort of uh, um, conflict or any sort of issue. It's it's always been like for me. It's always been wow. I got really lucky. You know we what should, I mean? We it's should like, really say here that Carlos Rod is the artist and the colorist yes. is Carlos Lopez. Letters by Fabrizio Grele as well. Yeah, because they do a mm. superb job in this as well. They, man. Yeah. Exactly. And and what I'll say is that all of those people is like. Again, just like you're saying with the band, like um, they are, they're, they're all, they, you know, I was reading an article recently where uh, it's about the Red Hot Chili Peppers and it was Flea and Anthony Kiedis talking and Anthony Kiedis says like, he's just this like foolish lead singer that happens to be with three of the greatest musical talents that there have ever been. And I kind of feel like I'm kind of the same way. It's like, yeah, I can, I can write this stuff, but once it goes to those, those brilliant artists, it makes everything better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So were you put together with them by AM, were you, by American Mythology? Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's how I met Have you met them yet? Or? Them. Uh, no, I've been, I've, uh, we've only spoken via email or Instagram or Twitter. Um, yeah, we've, we've, because uh, I think Carlos is in Mexico and some of the other artists I've worked with are in uh, South America and in yeah. Italy. So, yeah, everybody's that's, all over that's the world. part of the beauty of sort of modern yeah. comics, though. Like, yeah, totally. You know, so many writers can collaborate with people from like South America, you know, all over the all world. the time, wouldn't it? Yeah, we've yeah. been doing that for decades, don't we? The UK basically grew its comics industry on South American, Spanish, Italian yeah. artists. You know, yeah. that's how it went. Yeah. But I think because it was cheap. Now it's a press of the, the press of the button, send the artwork over. Then it was sending the artwork by hand. Yeah, through the mail, and it got lost and. 
Yeah. You chose the right time to start making comics, Dio, basically. I definitely do. (laughs) (laughs) But in terms of, like, the beast itself, um, one thing I do notice about, like, the look of it, it's a bright and colourful, like, creature feature sort of book. Um, We've we've spoken on this show many times, and we'll probably speak over this month when we're talking about horror, that a lot of especially, like, independent horror, like, comics, dark, gloomy, which is which is brilliant if you've got that sort of story but some of it's too dark or gloomy or you can't really see what's going yeah, on yeah not being able to see is a big issue we talk about all the time yeah yeah, yeah. but like beast is very much from page one it's it's technicolor like just it is yeah was that always your vision for it to be like right this is gonna be a big bright horror story yeah, well, uh, just relating it back to Willy's Wonderland, Willy's Wonderland was going to be like a movie that you found in the annals of Blockbuster that you didn't know, like it's been yeah. 40 years and I didn't know this was there, you know? And so this, the comic book, Beast of Bound Boulevard, was supposed to kind of be the same way. It was, I was, there was like a hope to me that it turned out really, it, and it turned out, it, it, it manifested, that it would be like a comic that you found that was made in the 80s and you just didn't notice it was in your closet and all of a sudden you picked it up and boom, there it is. And so that was that was a note that I put, I think, at the very beginning of the script is just like this is this is like like an 80s style. So bright neon colors, especially when she's like the the very first. Yeah. Yeah. The very first Mm. panel is like she's in that 80s ski suit that's like neon pink and green and stuff. It's like let's let's have it kind of stylized like that. I think that uh, I think that uh, just with anything, if you can stylize it. Uh, with movies, with comic books, if you can make it your own, then it kind of uh, helps it to stand out in the marketplace. And so that was kind of a note. And I'm glad that it, it came out so well, those bright colors and just that kind of style. Yeah. I get you. Interesting. Now, did B start as a movie script as well? Yeah, that's right. Um, I had uh, gone uh, to Whistler in Canada, British Columbia. And uh, while I was up there, you you get off the plane in um in vancouver and then get on a bus and it takes you like about an hour north and you're really secluded from anything when you get into to to whistler it's just you know it's just the town and that's kind of where i came up with the idea was like well what happens if something awful happened here and then i don't know where robot dinosaur manifested but i would be like (laughs) (laughs) i was like well if there was a robot dinosaur that just absolutely obliterated this place there's there's no there's no nobody's coming for at least a while and if there was a blizzard and a huge snowstorm nobody's coming at all and so that was that was kind of the manifest of the idea was there was just uh you know ski town because i grew up in lake tahoe which if uh, uh if anybody overseas it's right on the border of california and nevada it's it's uh it is a ski and snowboard haven there's a lot of world-class ski resorts they had the olympics there in the 60s um so i was, I was very immersed in that ski culture anyways but uh, then I also just kind of like crazy wacko stuff. And I just think that an, an idea that would stick in my head is just, uh, you know, militarized robot dinosaur on a rampage. <laughs> but then the other thing I was thinking about is like, you know, you've seen these movies. Obviously, there's Mecha Godzillas and there's all, mm. all sorts of stuff like that. Mm. But in those movies in the Pacific Rims, it's always big robot versus big robot versus army versus um uh, jet planes, that kind of thing. And you've never had like human versus giant robot. And what would you do in that situation? And mm. that's kind of like what I wanted to tackle was like, it's you versus it. How do you win? 
Well, it's that kind of classic scenario of kind of you're, you're isolated. There's no outside help and you've got to kind of, these people have to deal with this scenario as it unfolds. And it's such a good way to kind of like focus on characters and yeah. how they would react. And everyone can kind of project onto it. Do you know what I mean? Because you think, oh, I'll do X, Y, and Z. And yeah. some characters do that. Some characters don't. Exactly. That's the same. Like everybody would like to be the janitor in Willy's Wonderland. You would love the opportunity to be in there and have something come at you and just be able to beat the crap out of it. Well, it's the same way with this comic book. It's like if I gave you like, and you, you'll we'll find out in book two. This is a spoiler because you got to fight the thing. You'll find out in book two that you're gonna get some sort of like vi- crazy video game guns. All right, we got mm-hmm. this this monster that's created. You're gonna get your video game gun to go fight the thing. And it's going to be you versus it. And how would you handle that situation? And, and just like you were saying, uh, Dan, you can just, uh, uh, you know, imagine yourself, you know, yeah. taking it down and what you would do and how you would do it and all that kind of stuff and kind of get people's imaginations going that way. One of the things is like, you know, when you yeah, the whole zombie films, someone would always act like an absolute Wally. And you're like, you, no one would act like that. But then if you looked at like the pandemic, People were doing yeah. stuff. It was just like, why are you doing that? That's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, that's real. People will act like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was in a Costco, which is like a huge grocery store in uh, in California. Just, just, just They sell everything in bulk. And it was like that. It was just all these psychopaths just filling up on uh, toilet paper, yeah, paper toilet towels, paper. <laughs> and running me over with, the, with their carts. You know, it was just everybody. This was like... March 18th, 2020, everybody just going nuts. I just, it was like something out of a movie, but yeah, everything that you think that would never happen, happened times a million. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I suppose putting it in the 80s as well is great because you haven't got the internet and you haven't got cell phones. Mm. Right. That's the other thing I think that I try to avoid with, with, with stuff is just uh, the cell phones, the, uh, just kind of anything They're that the would kind of... of horror in a lot of way, like, yeah, like yeah. cell phones and modern technology, or or how do we Google this? You know, every freaking self, every single horror movie is like, oh, my cell phone is down. Like we've yeah. seen that scene like a thousand yeah. times yeah. where your phone yeah. doesn't work. It's like, yeah. okay, we get it. Just just get rid of it. You know. Yeah, I love when they say, oh, I, I didn't bring my phone. So it's it's twenty twenty three. Every single glue to everyone's fucking yeah. hands. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, people would be having a panic attack if they didn't have yeah. their phone these days. They'd be like, Oh my god. Yeah. Well, one of the things we talked about, um, Geo, was um the, the in the beast is the structure of the comic. So I know you've got is it five variant covers I think you've got on it? Um uh, four four for the four. first one, yeah. Yeah. Now you lead up to showing the beast on the last few pages don't you? you know this fucking incredible cyborg dinosaur you know um only in comics sh- can you say something like that yeah <laughs> how good is that it'd be shit if it was full moon studios wouldn't it but it's uh <laughs> yeah it works so well in the comic but you also show him in the cover so was that a discussion you had you know yeah i think so i think that the as far as putting him on the cover because i understand what you're saying is like you, yeah. you you don't want to give away what it is but you also want to sell what, comics you know that's yeah the thing. that's I'm, yeah. yeah i mean yeah. that is the thing is like like if you don't put it on there if you just keep it hidden when it's then i don't know if anybody looks at that cover and goes oh this especially in a time when that the the there's already a million strong ips that mm, just absolutely yeah. dominate the comic industry like you just try and got to get somebody's attention so i think that was the idea of just putting it on the cover is just like oh let's just give away the game this is what it is if you're into this I mean, thing take if you're it. Picking- you then build attention anyway you know which yeah for me. yeah yeah 
if you're on a cyborg dinosaur, you're not going to go wrong. You're not going to get misled <laughs> right <laughs> in that comic cup. It's just thing I, I can see some little girl picking it up because she just sees a ski hill and there's some snow. Oh, this will be fun. Oh, my <laughs> but, God. I mean, <laughs> what other imagery would you... Sh- I'm trying to think what other imagery you would have to kind of sell the you'd idea. Get a, you'd get a chainsaw and a scale. You know, you would get some... But it just still doesn't work, though, does it? A silhouette yeah. of the dinosaur yeah. or... Yeah. I don't know, yeah. yeah. For instance, like, showing, if you just yeah. had like a saw blade and some blood, people might think it's a little bit saw, hostile kind of thing. And it's, you, you want to sort of communicate... This is the kind of book you're getting. A big monster, yeah. 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 There's a reason that these there's these places that get paid, you know, a, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to be able to uh to be able to make these yeah. um oops. Okay. To be able to to be able to market this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So do you get a say in the variants, do you, about who does a cover or um well yeah, we we talk about what we want on the covers for sure, and I have uh, uh, Ruiz is a, is a buddy of mine who did that the variant number one. Carlos did the the Kickstarter variant, um, and and Buzz did a couple cool ones. And I worked with those guys on the Willy's Wonderland stuff, and I worked with them on um, some of the Scary Christmas stuff. So we trust each other, and we're all friends. And so you know, if uh, if Jim goes, hey, I got these guys that that want to work on it, then then uh, then let's nice. do it. Yeah, yeah. I say the- one. Convince. Go no, go on, Dan. Well, I was going to say, shifting a bit tonally on the in the beast, like we start off quite tight focus with the, the mother daughter relationship, and I, I've found that one of the more compelling parts of the book. Mm. I really enjoyed that kind of the interaction between the it's two of them. Different, you don't see, that, yeah, do you? You know, no. the, 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 the the almost like a painful dynamic between them and the boyfriend. You know, oh man, yeah, yeah they were that- at each other's throat straight away. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> For everybody that doesn't know, I'm 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 traveling right now. I'm just moving my space real quick. So just give me a second. Fit. No worries, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you know what? I think that we talked about, and I may have skipped over when we were we were talking. Is like one of the things that um that the beast was was originally it was a movie script, mm. and um and this was prior to me knowing anybody in the comic industry. So I had written it as a movie script. But as things progressed, and I I, t- I took a look at so so let me go back. So because it was written as a script, there was there was all that development of the mother and the daughter and this guy that's come into their lives who's different from her. She doesn't like him. So there's, that that was that's that's a theme that gets hit on throughout the entire comic book. Um, but in the script, I could hit on a little bit more because I have more time and I have more uh, just uh, just pages to 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 uh, to uh, to put into it. Um, but as it goes into comic form, it goes down from. 90 page screenplay to uh three 20 page panel comics which is like you know if i was to cut the script down it probably cut out like more than yeah, like 50 percent of the movie i would right. i would think and so in doing that I, I just really had to figure out where to trim where to scale down and 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 some of the relationship does definitely does get affected but i wanted to try and keep as much of that in there as just like an emotional connection mm. throughout the entire story how people did, that could could relate to it how do you look at that sort of editing challenge because other people like have screenplays and they try to turn them into Hilly darlings in it as well yeah. yeah but was it was it actually like quite a useful exercise to figure out because with comics as well you really need to cut the the fat from the meat in yeah. order to get what you need you know how did you did you find it an enjoyable experience that you learned from 
Yeah, I, I'd say that when I first went to do it, it was not an enjoyable experience because it was very difficult. Um, yeah, just, yeah. So, so at first, it was not an enjoyable experience. And having completed it, I'd say it's, it was a really great thing, and it made the story better because of it. Yeah. And should, should I go back to rewrite that as a script, I would have a better experience um, just writing it as a script now that I've cut out and just kind of figured out the best parts of it. But yeah, I think that, uh, you know, if you are a writer and you have to, you have to be able to just say this gets cut and not kind of worry about it. You just yeah. got to like, like, do you want to try and fight to keep something that, you know, like the most important thing is getting that comic book made. So that's the most important thing. And if you have to sacrifice certain, certain story elements or certain shots or certain things that you want in there, then you have to do it. Mm. So if a screenwriter was thinking, well, right, I've got this, screenplay i want to transform into a comic book how would you sort of like propose a kind of crash course for them to get their head around the the language Two very different yeah very different yeah. mediums aren't they yeah yeah I, you know what I, I would say that if you were a screenwriter that that your best bet in getting a movies like getting it to movie unless unless you're established if you're established and you've made a movie it's a little easier but like let's say you were like me and you're just trying to break in any way, any way, shape, form. This is with writing. This is with anything. Then, like what I did, I made the short film, and then I got that to people because it was only a minute long, and it's hard to get anybody to read anything. So it's like figure out a way to do it. So with a comic book, what I would do if I were to go back and, and need to figure it out without knowing anybody was first thing I would do is uh, boil down your script to the most important parts, you know, and, and just boil it down, boil it down. If you can get your whole entire script just to be like, let's say 20 pages and it's just really quick, boil it down to that because you're not going to have like, let's say the budget to be able to do three books. You're just going to be able to do one. Mm -hmm. So, so boil it down. So you just get the, the, so anybody that you're giving this comic book to is going to get the gist of your, your screenplay immediately and then find a talented artist. And we've talked about it here. There's artists all over the world who are, um, you know, clamoring to work and want to work with talented people. Um, you know, reach out, get a hold of one of those artists and then put your comic book together just as, uh, you know, 10 to 20 pages and you don't have to go overboard, if, especially if you don't have a lot of money, just enough to, to like pay the artist so they can, you know, make a living at it and you can get your product. And then anybody that you're going to show it to is going to realize that this is just your kind of one man or one person band. And, um, you know, they're going to look at what you've done and they're going to be able to see the potential in it there. So I wouldn't necessarily tell anybody who's getting into the comics or the screenwriting like if you were going to do a short, you hear about people doing short films that cost thousands of dollars. I don't think you need to do that. And I don't think you need to do that with your first comic book either. You mm. just have to get, you have to get something like I was doing with the plays. You just have to take the writing that you've done and, and manifest it into something that's real so people can see it and then say, okay, you're the next, let's redo this and let's do it properly this time. And let's make it as best as we can. And so that's what I would say to somebody. I'd say boil it down, find an artist that you want to work with, do just just black and white, and then start getting that out to people. And then that'll you'll you know that'll spur people to want to read your screenplay, to run to read more of your comic book. You just need an example that you feel strong to get out and give to somebody. And the other thing I think that I would tell people um, is do not be shy. 
like there's <laughs> like if you everybody's listening to us right now but if you if you're yeah, i'm looking um I'm, I'm looking in tony's background and there's tons and tons of books so there's tons of competition they're gonna fall there. on him so one day and, and, and kill him i'm gonna day. die under those one day so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it'll be his tomb <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if if you're just sitting there quietly letting everybody else kind of, you know, you know, if you some, you know, if you're not if you're not constantly out there saying I have something good, you have to take a look at it. Nobody's going to find you. So you got to be able to just get it into somebody's face. Say, take a look at this. Email people. You know, be kind and be courteous with everybody's time and with their with their attention. But make sure you get it in front of people and 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 ask for what you want. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to yeah. happen. Don't yeah. don't keep it on your laptop. I think hmm. what people will like about what you've done here dude is and we get an awful lot of people who have a film script and doesn't get made so they they try and make it into a comic what you've done is you've learned your bones by working on eight page stories and uh anthologies which is i mean is how people learn their bones here you know yeah, anthologies yeah, totally. are massive here in the indian small press scene up until 2000 ad which is obviously a mass- the, probably the biggest anthology and they learn to tell a story get in and get out in eight pages yeah which is just perfection for learning the, the longer form comics sometimes, I think, you yeah. know? Hmm. Yep, definitely. Those, those scary Christmas comics and those little anthology comics were the best thing that's ever happened to me as far as the comic book goes, because you had to tell the full story in eight pages. And I, I'm telling everybody right now, this is the advice I gave you to boil it down. You can tell a full story in eight pages and it can be something really magnificent. Hmm. You can do it in as little as eight pages for sure. Yeah. yeah. You're just going to need to get your pacing and everything else right. Because sometimes, um, and you get this with comics and you get this with all media, TV, movies or whatever, sometimes there's a lot of nothing and then everything happens really quickly. Yeah. Now, now in a comic, you don't want six pages of just long, drawn-out setup before everything happens in the last two pages. You need to invest people, don't you, like pretty straight away. Like it's... The yep. real estate is you got you got to care about care about things and people before you fucking kill them with a giant dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Speaking of, yeah. which, speaking of yeah. which, obviously, um, in a, a show don't tell kind of medium, uh, Beast is very much a show neon explosions gore, and second issue which is on its way, we've got to the point where chaos is about to reign, um, without any spoilers, of course. How far does this go? Like the three is it three issues? Is it? Yeah, yeah it's three yeah. issues, and it's the I think I think I named the issues the blizzard, the beast, and the battle. Um, so right. that's not really a spoiler, but like you know, the so the, the if you haven't read book one, book one is the slowest book because it has to set everything up. So we yeah. have to get to our location. We have to we have to meet the characters. We have to do all that stuff. the The second book is. You know, now we're battling, or now we're, we're we're trying to escape the beast. Basically, the 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 first book ends on a cliffhanger where you, the beast is revealed, and it's got like this, you know, a laser repulsor beam for one arm and a buzzsaw for the other, and it's three stories tall. And and like, what? Why is this thing here? How did it get here? We we're supposed to be in like a little vacation town, and this thing is just rampaged the whole entire place and wiped everybody out. So the the second book is going to kind of explain why this is all happening and it's also going to be a it's 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 both the uh the answers to the questions you want to know from the first book and a chase 
as the beast tries to wipe out the remaining survivors. And then again, not much of a spoiler, but the third is the battle and that's where they got to take the thing down and they got to, or it's going to take them all out. <laughs> well, nope. I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a horror writer, how do you enjoy, do you enjoy the, uh, the, the killing? That sounds really weird, but uh, we're all serial killers in our own way. As, but, as a uh, fan, we enjoy yeah. watching the killing. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. Yeah, on, the, on the internet, there's kill count videos, there's all kinds, especially with horror. Deaths are important. Um, so when you're writing them, how do you go about writing a death of a Enough character? impact, but not yeah. too much, yeah. Yeah, it was, you know what, I, had, uh, I, was, I got a note the other day from uh, a producer that I was working with on a, just a movie project, and in that movie project, there are just um, uh, the, from the first kill is extremely like extremely wild. And then the next kill is extremely wild. And the next kill is extremely wild because the directors of that movie, we had talked about it together and they had done movies. Uh, they had done the, the movie uh, Cooties that had Elijah Wood in it and, uh, and Ray Wilson. And they had done the movie um, Becky that had Kevin James as like a Nazi bad guy. And, uh, and they came from this world of like just, you know, awesome kills. And the note that we were given was let's build up to it because we didn't want to just, you know, go from one wild one to the next. And I think that there is a thing in in a lot of horror movies where it's like it can't just be a, a scream like stabbing. It has to be somebody that uh, it's like an itchy and scratchy from the Simpsons where you got to put grenades in their eyelids, and dynamite <laughs> down their throat and throw them in a bat of acid and then hit the electricity at the same time. Um, and I think that, that, yeah, that there is an audience that's clamoring for that. So, um, you know, I, I, when I approached the kills in Beast of Our Boulevard, it was like, give them the buzz saw because, well, we have to make this this villain unique. So I thought like a buzz saw for a hand, a repulsor uh, ray for a uh, for another one, a giant tail that you can smash people with, some guns, some rockets. It's got it's got the whole entire thing. Uh, basically, that you know, it's just a, a just to talk about it a little bit more. It's like you know, the U.S. government spends so much in defense like so much money in defense, but the generation that's coming up all played video games and they're all millennials, Gen Xers who have just been playing doom and stuff. And you give them that budget, then they're going to create some wild stuff. So that was kind of like, that was my theory. It's like, you have a never ending budget. You can just create whatever weird thing you want. You you've grown up with this sadistic sense of humor. You may create something like that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can great. You can make a tank for a million dollars, or you can make this like killer machine for a couple other million. Well, we have like an unlimited budget, so why don't we just go with that? <laughs> but yeah, just to get back to the kills, it's like yeah, I think that 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 you there is an audience that's clamoring for it, so you have to make sure that that you you give them you know you give them what you want. Yeah. Oh. Well, nice. and the, and I did that in the Willie's thing, you know, where it rips out the spine of the ostrich and he curb stomps the gorilla under the urinal. <laughs> like, you yeah, have, you gotta have stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> oh, by the way, before I forget, please tell Carlos Roddy reminds me of Pat Broderick. Okay, There's absolutely. Really right. lovely, clean artwork. Right? Yeah, <laughs> really good. Yeah, yeah. Every time I look at it, I think Pat Broderick, which is a big compliment. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's beautiful art in the book. It's just yeah. real nice. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. So obviously you know your horror. 
Um, is yes. There any, is there anything out there that people don't know about? And think about it, like as you said, it's all about the stuff that you didn't realize was out there that you discover that's your new favorite. It's for like yeah, yeah, for like comic books for horror, Halloween coming up. I know it's yeah. October. Yeah, well, like so that. we suggested yeah. those who don't know, we sent you an email just to say any chance of a recommendation. You know, if you want to ever think, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, again, I, I'm I'm working with American Mythology, and so I it, it would be a, a mistake for me not to recommend a couple of the great books that they have if you haven't checked them out. They always do a hatchet Halloween special, um, <laughs> and I did a little editorial art in the back work uh, of the back of that one. So I would I definitely that's that's a recommend. They always do a great job with the hatchet series. The hatchet was a movie. Victor Crowley's guys hatchet was killing people in the South. It's great. Um, so that would be one that I'd recommend. Uh, they they're doing a, the uh, uh, fright night, um, for, but based on the 1985 movie. Uh, so that was a, a good series that they've been putting together, uh, Jim and, and Scott and everybody over there. So that's a great one. And then uh, another one they did is a Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Kin is what it's called, Night of the Living Dead Kin, and that's a spooky one. I've done a little editorial work on the back, just doing some fun arc. So those are my three Halloween recommendations for you comic book lovers out there. Would be to check out those three. Those are those are some good ones. Nice, nice, nice one. Yeah, nice. great. So, so Beast, then going forward, where can people like find out more about it and get? get their hands on issue one and get ready for issue two what's where's the best place? yeah yeah well, again uh, uh if 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 we're overseas or just anywhere you can always get the pdf version via the uh, american mythology website which is americanmythology.net find it there you can purchase it for i think 3.99 on the internet and uh it'll just come right to your email and you'll have a beautiful digital copy of it um, they also will email uh, or they also mail um, uh, physical copies and you should you, you can always go to your comic book store your local comic book store this is why I tell everybody if you want a physical copy go to your comic book store say I would like a physical copy of Beast of Bob Boulevard could you please order it for me it's, it's in Diamond isn't it I am a yes, it is. di- massive yep. Diamond section yeah. yeah yes yeah good stuff exactly so, so make, sure, make sure you get it there because it's great and I think we all like the convenience of being able to read a, a comic book via our smartphones and via our iPads and stuff but there's nothing like having the actual physical paper in your hands agreed agreed yeah I, I double dipped on it when I was uh, in America yeah, I got, oh. I got it. Yeah, because you sent it <laughs> to us, but I got, I got a physical copy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. You can tell, yeah. and you can tell, you just when you get that physical copy in your hand, it's just done. You know, it's, it just makes makes things it makes things real. Yeah, yeah it makes things real. Totally. Yeah. Vince, and, uh, the uh, Fright Night, one of the Fright Night covers, I looked at it, and I thought it could have been your art, man. Really? Really? Yeah, you have to look at it. I'll find that I copy. I love Fright Night as well. So I'm going to yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, love it. I quite like the remake. I don't I mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The CGI, I'm not fussed with. Yeah, I don't like yeah. those kind of when they do their CGI horror faces. It's yeah, a bit, yeah. yeah. I like it to be physical. Tenant, tenant's real. okay, in it. Yeah. Tenant's yeah. okay. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. like, everybody was like, you know, practical, practical, practical. And then it went to all CGI, CGI, CGI. And now everybody's like, mm, practical, practical, yeah. practical. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I imagine yeah. we'll swing back to CGI at some point. And or is it like, oh, referred to yeah. AI? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh no, the AI! Oh my god! Oh no! <laughs> that's, that's a completely different horror story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Want things to be real, unless they're a giant cyborg dinosaur, then I want to be nowhere near it. So, exactly. No, yeah. I, I appreciate but, that. We'll, but, po- we'll pose with it at the movie premiere, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm working on it. You know, like I, you know, we're going to do the comic book series, then we'll turn it into a movie. I mean, like, oh, that's, nice. we, we just got to continue to to continue to do this stuff. I'm going to take my own advice. 
Just get it out <laughs> to everybody. Get it. Get that idea stuck in everybody's heads. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And where can people find you online, etc.? You can find me via uh, uh, X, which was formerly known as Twitter, and uh, that's uh, Geo Parsons at Geo Parsons. Um, and then uh, you can use, uh, follow me on Instagram, which is the same handle at Geo Parsons at Geo Parsons. And I only got into it because uh, I wanted to be able to uh, connect with people and, and get these ideas out to an audience. And uh, besides that, I can't stand social media. Yeah, I like it when like. I like it when ladies do yoga on there. That's all I'm into. Hey, that's, 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 that's a different conversation we need to have, Tony. Okay, fine. But, uh, I think you. that's a different app. <laughs> hey. hey, Vince, Vince, and Dan and Tony, you guys. I, I mean, this was fantastic. I, I can't thank you guys enough for giving oh, me the opportunity. Have you, Come on, oh yeah, it's great fact, stuff. So I really, comic, really appreciate and we're it. Yeah. To seeing where this crazy story goes. Yeah. I appreciate it. And welcome back. So that was informative and yeah. what a fun dude. Nice yeah. dude. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. thanks to Geo for joining us this week. And uh and little did I know how important he was going to be because they behaved themselves <laughs> during that interview. But no, in all in all seriousness, uh, it's a great company. You need to check it out if you like like big monsters. They're a great action. company, you know, it's just putting out solid fun horror i think they i've i've bought i've read nearly everything they put out recently and i've really enjoyed it i got oh, nice yeah, nice yeah, yeah. yeah nice dudes yeah yeah so um definitely go forth and check out all of that and speaking of other stuff to check out do we have any shout outs this week gents i was going to oh. give a shout out to the satanic flea market where yes. i was today oh, so yes. um so Foulpy booked it up. We went and did the Stanic Flea Market. It's our second time doing it, actually. This time around, we're in the sort of heavy metal room, which is sort of slightly darker um, with music playing and stuff, um, which is kind of the hub for it, really. Um, so, like Savage Pencil, Jason Atomic, uh, Simon Davis, a few other people who were in that room. So, there's a little good, good amount of comic people mm. there, you know. Um, and um, absolutely packed. I can't think of a comic convention in this country that it wouldn't be envious of the amount of people who came to that event. It was just back-to-back throughout the whole day. Uh, in it, big shout-out to Zach. So I bumped into listener Zach, who's um, becoming a bit of a comics creator himself, and he's a listener. Nice dude. Came, came over, nice dude. Um, also, managed to finally meet Ed Pinson, who he and I have been at the same comics events for probably 40 years, if not more. Uh, and he was with a guy called the, who calls himself the House of Harley, um, but generally, if you've got a comic that's a bit out there, it's not for everyone, I think. But if you've got a comic that has that edge to it, you know, um, I think it's I think it's a worth worthwhile event. We had half a table, which was thirty five pounds, so that's good value. That's great, yeah. Especially compared to the amount of people, um, lot of sales, good sales, a um, lot of beer. Um, Excellent. Absolutely, you wouldn't <clears throat> believe how friendly everyone was. It was lovely genuinely yeah, people on either side of us one of the one the one lady was sort of selling these sort of picture things she had a dog so we're sort of playing with her dog the other lady had she said i'll put a load of cheese and biscuits have some cheese and biscuits with this lads it's like that it was like yeah the nicest the nicest it's weird because off the rip you wouldn't think satanists would be like that i know i know yeah yeah um, i mean uh, if i said that to my mum, oh, i'm going to a satanist convention she's not really religious but she'd be like what yeah like, i know she'd double take yeah. that the um, one lady came over, and the good thing about it for our books is, you know, when people come to the table and we have to say to them, "Guess a bit lively, 
that comic. Oh, you don't have you to know, say be it. Be a bit careful. Don't have to say it, man. You do not have to say it. One lady came over and read the whole of Atomic Hercules 1 while standing at the table with a massive grin on her face that we were just chuckling as she was reading this comic. And she put <laughs> it down, gave us a bit of a wink and wandered off. And it was like, I don't, I don't mind no, that. No. I don't mind it. It's just lovely. Yeah, but I'd I'd recommend it if you've got a... Um, oh, um, Camilla was there also as well, who's um, kick, just kick-started Rosalka with Strangers. So I got to go and have a chat with her. Do you remember last time we did um, Thought Bubble, she was behind us. And I went and got a copy of a comic to send to Eddie at Strangers. And now he's ah. taken it on as um, one of the books he's publishing, which is a nice wow, there you go. Nice. story. Yeah, so I popped upstairs. She was upstairs, went and saw her. Um, but yeah, I'd say if you've got an, something that's maybe a little bit underground, a little bit edgy, there's a few people here um, who, you know, it would be suitable for, I'd recommend it. It starts at 12, ends at 6, so it's not like a massive all-weekend thing. Yeah, um, yeah it's good. Lovely people. That's- and setup was a dream. All right, lads, as we arrived. Oh, where are you? You know, just a chat. Brilliant. Yeah, mm. yeah. Highly recommended. Because when you yeah. told me about it, I was like, God, at a tribute press at the Satanists thing, like foul, <laughs> loathsome individuals who turn their back on God. <laughs> and uh, enough about tribute press. The Satanists. <laughs> well, like, I knew that was, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still worth it. Yeah. So it was good. So that was, that was my first chat. My second one is... um. Uncle Pat, Pat Mills mentioned me in his Substack today. Um, hey. Absolutely choked me up, man. Um, really nice. And that dude is a big reason we're here. Yeah, there's no oh, two totally. ways about it. Um, yes. A big reason a lot of people are into in, into comics. Um, yeah, it's the nicest thing ever. And he's giving back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah, so thanks. Big shout out to Pat. I've emailed him. He knows. But a big shout out to him as well for that. So there you go. They're my two. Nice. Dan, what have you got? My uh, first recommendation is, not recommendation, uh, wherever this is. <laughs> Fucking going off the road oh already. My it's, God. it's a, it's a callback. I don't it's a know. Call- I, don't, I, think, I, think, I think it's worn off, Tony, whatever he was on. For the past. <laughs> it's uh, a callback to earlier in the show when I mentioned Bloop and the Pigeon Pandemic. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next one's up and running. We've got an 88, an 88 page full color comic continuing the adventures of Bloop, the green Martian scout who's always getting into trouble. And that's kickstarting now. We've got uh, a little worth his target, so a little help and push, and that's from uh, Alex Han. And to take that over the target, we've got Underground Comic uh, Underground Kingdom Comics presents a comic book anthology showcasing UK cartoonists. I'll back this. Nice one. This is yeah. uh, by Matt Greaves, and it's got our friends. Uh, Orpy and Falpy. And Falpy. Yeah, both uh, in it. Both in it and scrolling through it, there's an absolutely wealth of talent in that book. That looks absolutely fantastic. And uh, from your boy Shane Chebsney, we've got adult human, adult human female 2024, a giant sized art calendar featuring girls of Jimmy Broxton's fully loaded comic book. I, I <laughs> Jimmy Broxton's what. a great artist. He's, okay. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I think he's mates of Shane's, isn't he? I think they're buddies. But yeah. Looking down on that, yeah, some fantastic artwork in that. Big total on that. So, uh, We'll be checking in that as the weeks flick by to see how that that goes. Yeah, it's worth it's worth a look at if you're into uh, into Jimmy's art. Yeah, it's, it's lovely stuff. Really is good. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I've got a, go on. No, you're on. Go on. No, I've got my my contest thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah, uh, go for it. Yeah, so the fun, time for fun's over. Let's, do, <laughs> let's talk about. Oh no! You're encouraging him, Vince. Right. Yeah. All I said was, right. yeah, you can talk. You now. go for it. Yeah, so. Uh, a couple of years ago, I don't think people remember, I we ran a Halloween comic contest 
And the idea was you send in a three-page script and among the panel, we'd sort through them, read them through and say, right, this is the, the best one. And I illustrated it. Uh, and yeah. last time it was uh, Tony Vanras and he did his one. From uh, Belgium, I believe, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. We met him at uh, the last football we went to. That's right. Yeah. Nice guy. So, yeah. So over Halloween, we're going to be looking to put, I'm going to be looking to put together a, a, a horror comic, this title of which we're still working on. And I thought, you know what, let's give people a shout and see if they got a script that they want to put in this book. So like last time, I'm looking for a three-page horror script. Uh, Writing-wise, don't think anything risky that you'd find in like a horror film. You, you could shoot up, fire up now or something from like the 1980s. So kind of like gore, boobs and stuff, but that's kind of like the limit. Don't go too much more mental than that. I was looking more for, if you've never had a story published before, always wanted to give it a shot. This is like the that's a great the, the thing for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you if you've done loads of comics and stuff, fine, you can submit it. But I'd rather it than someone who who's kind of this is relatively new for them to give them a bit of a punt, a bit of a, a chance to see what it's like getting their work out in an anthology and get it drawn essentially for free. Uh, so yeah, I will be kickstarting the comic, so there'll be some remuneration for the person entering their script, be that as kind of uh, some comp copies or whatever. Uh, after the comic's done, that artwork's yours. You can put it, do with whatever you want with it, put it online, put it in other anthologies, give it as a present, whatever you want to do is totally yours. So what nice. we're looking to do is the entry deadline's going to be Friday the 21st of October. If you send in your three-page script to the, the Awesome Comics Pod email and title it Horror Script 2023 or something similar, and we'll read them through. We're, we're putting this out each week and going up to the uh, the contest deadline. And Friday 20, the Friday 21st will be the deadline. Sunday after that, we'll say who the winner is. And then they'll be able to see their work in that comic. I very look, look forward to seeing the stuff come in. Because last Good time, work, mate. it was a real kind of... Yeah, we had real fun reading it, actually. Yeah. I think we kind of all kind of agreed, didn't we? But we did have a little backwards and forwards on which one it should be. Yeah. There was a couple of contenders, but I think yeah. Tony's like was that. Yeah, we all kind of like gravitate towards that. Like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. I hear there's somebody called Boney Desmond who's got a very saucy story. He's written, <laughs> uh, never published like before. <laughs> so I've spoken to Tony actually, and his comic, as far as I'm aware, hasn't been published either. So I'm going to be, be putting a retouched version of that in this book. So you're going to be able to see the the past competition and the current one. Oh, nice. So there you go. Nice. Nice. Uh, and uh, speaking of which, one more. If you if you're around this Saturday, seventh of October, twenty twenty three. If you're about in Bristol, then go to the Double Tree by Hilton for Comic Expo. Um, hey, you might, you might see me wandering its halls, looking oh, lost. Isn't it the same weekend as? Um, it's not cake, is it? Whatever. The, there's a zine fair in Bristol the same weekend, isn't there? Is there really? I don't know. I, I think so. Really, yeah, so it's going to be. Comics. But it's going to be a good one to go to if you want to go to a city and get to a couple of festivals in a weekend. Yeah. That's a cracker, that is. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, it's loads of creators. Alan Davis, Liam Sharp, there's just Shaky Kane's going to be there. Lou Stringer, yeah. just, just a whole t- shitload of great creators. And uh, like I say, I'll be looking lost. So, hope to see you there. Go and get some OA off Shaky. Uh, yeah. Go and get some. Yeah. yeah. T- tickets will be uh, adults £10, child £5. 
Under 12s, free. That's a good price, mate. 10 yeah. quid's a reasonable price. Compared to some of the stuff I've seen recently, oh, and that's all right. You yeah. might see me uh, sort of uh, hovering around a classic UK art exhibition from the classic comics. So, ah, uh, cool. I do. So, yeah. Yeah, ho- report back from that one, babes. Yeah, I shall do. Expect that next week. But mm. first, this week, um, on to the recommends, but we're going to start the recommends with something a little bit eerie. We promised it last mm. week, didn't we? Yep. What are we doing uh, throughout this month? Uh, we talked about an insane humble bundle. I don't know how long it's going going for. Um, it's about the size of a, um, a terabyte hard drive, isn't it? This yes. Thing. Yes. Um, Eerie, the the classic sort of horror anthology series from when does it start? Seventy one. No, it's not. It's it's. I'm going to say it's like seventy sixty nine something like that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a series that was from the editors of Creepy, if you if you know those sort of anthology series, the classic. And Vampirella, yeah. yeah. Um, there is these archive collections which are enormous, and Humble Bundle has like I think like thirty books. Did, did you see the thing that Mark Miller put out this week? No. So there's somebody has posted a lady in stockings and high heels in front of a bookcase. Um, you know, like a sexy oh, picture. Yeah. And the reply to it was just, oh, you've got all of the Eerie archives. That must be really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. Put, I love comic fans. That's yeah. like the best thing ever. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> sure enough, sure enough, there is a big uh, volume of these things. So we um, we talked a good game, but we decided to actually get them. So um, yeah. you know, some of us got all of them. So, uh, some Broke of us my got, iPad. But uh, even if we just got one book, we've still got hundreds and hundreds of pages of horror comics to read. And sure enough, because it's anthology, in each week, for these uh, five episodes, I believe it's five episodes of horror, we're just going to pick one out, just to, just to yeah. highlight. We'll tell you what volume it is from. And, uh, we, you know, it's not going to be a whole in-depth review. No. But certainly we're going to kick it off in style. And I'm going to kick off first. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be greedy. Here. You got issue one, page one, I'm saying. I've right? got I got, yeah. got I I went straight to the the first one, volume one, um, which collects Eerie's one to five, and I I started with the the first story itself. Um, and if you if you're wondering, well, I don't know anything, you know, about Eerie. I don't know what sort of creators are on it. On the inside cover, check out this list, right? As it, it says, the artists and writers. Okay. Eugene Colan, Jack Davis, Reed Crandall, Steve Ditko, Frank Rosetta, Rocco Master, Mastro Serio, Gray Morrow, Joe Orlando, John Severin, Jay, Jay Tacey, Angelo Torres, Alex Toth, Al Williamson, oh, Wallace Torres. Wood, Roy Krenkel, Donald Norman, Dan Adkins. Writers, Archie Goodwin, Ron Parker, Carl Wessler, E. Nelson Bridwell, Iando Binder, and Larry Avi. And editor, Archie Goodwin. Um... It's a bit of a lineup, isn't it? That's a bit of a lineup. Yeah, that's good, and that that's interesting. That first issue there, because obviously you've got the sort of little bit of history before it, where EC had kind of brought on the comics code, yeah. and what happened. The reason that this is a black and white magazine is the comics code didn't apply to black and white magazine size things, so which right. is why they did this. Yeah, and a lot of the characters you've got there had been in EC as well yeah. previously. Yeah, yeah. So there's the, the fucking absolute legends in it, man. You know, and we're in Mad Magazine as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, and this is just—it's a—I tell you what, these archives—I I can already tell—I'm just gonna have so much fun pouring through these. And they're lovely. I've got a full set of the Vampirella ones. Yeah, just beautiful to have and, on a shelf. Yeah, and uh, this one, uh, first issue from number one in September, 
uh, it was a Warren magazine. Um, and my tale that I'm going to just quickly recommend is The Image of Bluebeard, which is the first story. Oh, yeah, first. yeah, um, Now, it doesn't say, on some of the later stories, <laughs> it has the creator's name. Credits. Does it, does it have it at the end? I don't think it does. You usually got them at the bottom on the first page. You have to, yeah, it's almost like typed but, in on the bottom of the first page. It, but it doesn't have it on this one. Which, right. which is um, unusual because I did notice. I thought, oh no, am I not going to know the artist going on? But as I read further on, I realised that they were doing that. Um, right. And in fact, I posted a page earlier on social yeah. media, and it's very what clear. What a cracking that, page, man! Oh, just unbelievable. Um, but this was a very much a sort of a a classic EC Comics kind of a period set macabre tale of. Uh, a newlywed with a, with her husband. They go out to a, a, a sort of a, a house, sort of in the middle of nowhere. He's keeping, you know, they're, they're very secluded. He won't let her leave. And as she goes on, I mean, it's a very short tale, um, and it sort of it sort of narrates it classically. But as she reads a bit more, and she she reads, she finds a book about the famous Bluebeard, that sort of that fairy tale, that sort of folklorish tale. And she starts to believe that um, the man that she married um, is turning into him, or is him. Um, ergo, we get the classic death and a, a, a story with a sting in its tail with a nice bit of reveal. And, you know, I picked this one because it's just glorious. Like, the ink work and the washes, I mean, they've done a cracking I mean, job. How, how do you fit that whole image on page one? It's it's incredible, to yeah. Me, isn't it? You yeah. know, yeah. It's just, yeah. So it's a man standing at the bottom of a long driveway up. No, to that, that's not this story. That's, oh, that's sorry, man. Tale. I'm thinking of a different yeah. one. Right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, that's when you sent us, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, fir- the on the first tale, you have um, uh, three sort of detectives going into a uh, sort of a a barn, and there seems to be a a body hanging up from the ceiling because at the same time as all this happening there is the bluebird uh, the bluebeard serial killer happening so you've got that happening in the background so when she starts she starts to suspect that her husband is this killer um but the be- the art uh, the line works wonderful um it's quick and easy to read there's i, I just I, I as soon as i started this i just think fuck Man, there, there's so much. And you had to tell a story about them, and that's the thing. Mm, yeah. In, in EC is the same, and this, this is a direct descendant of EC. Yeah. Is they told fucking amazing stories in five pages. Yeah. 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 And there's usually like there's, there's about six panels to a page, a bit less if they wanted to use like uh, like a, a long landscape sort of panel for a bit of a reveal, or you know they wanted to open it up cinematically for the sting in the end of its tail. Um, but it's just so good, isn't it? The, the, there's so much to learn, I think. That's why, never mind the cool um, horror stuff, which you get loads of in these books, but I was looking through thinking, God, that is, that's a brilliant way to make comics. Mm. That's a brilliant way to make So um, my one, the first one, which uh, is the image of Bluebeard, just a great little, it's a brilliant way to start start this series. Immediately I was hooked in from that one. Nice. Who wants to go next? Shall I go next? Sure. Mine's Eerie 32 from March 1971. Um, I went further into the series. Uh, it's got The issue's got a Corbin cover, which is beautiful, um, which looks like uh, me and my missus on Night Out. Essentially. <laughs> um, that did make me laugh out loud. <laughs> um, if you look at the bottom left of the cover, there's a, like, a small insert which sort of says, 
a superhero in Eerie, you know, so it's sort of, and there's a reason. So the the main story I, I did um, is the lead off story in that. And it's by Steve Skeets who wrote it and Tom Sutton who drew it. Um, and it leads off with cousin Eerie, who is the crypt keeper stroke sort of Tharg host in these comics. Um, who's just this little weird spotty fucking horrible geezer who introduces each each story and it works really well kind of like an igor kind of character isn't he yeah he is isn't he yeah yeah um so this is pure fucking satire i hadn't read this before and i randomly picked this issue and this was the first thing but it's a very thinly veiled pastiche on batman and it's a a superhero called crime crusher who is just (laughs) like super brutal and he works, it's so thinly veiled, but he works in a city called Gotham. So OM at the end rather than AM. <laughs> and he literally crushes the bodies of evildoers, or so the ineffectual police believe him to. Even Commissioner, get this, even Commissioner Gorman um, can't help. Um, so they get the, the villains, the gangsters get this sniper, this fast shooter through called Ollie Twitchit to kill. Um, crime crusher um ollie twitch is is straight out of um dick tracy or a batman villain from the 50s or something um and there's something going on here you don't realize until you hit the last page and when you hit the last page you realize that he's draining the blood from the gangsters and in the sky you see a bat flying away silhouetted against the moon it's just i mean skeets and sutton were, were, were men who both worked for the big two but they're just full-on pastiching Full on taking the piss about them out of the American superhero industry, you know, in the pages of Erie. And it's Tom Sutton, absolutely class. I mean, he's great in this, but he, um, he's channeling Wally Wood when Wally Wood did Super Duper Man in issue one of Mad Magazine. It's, it's that it's got that written all over it. Um, and Skeets is just absolutely remorseless, um, and exposes superheroes as being these sort of self centered, self serving, violent idiots. Um, who have this sort of underlying thing that we don't realise, and in this case, it shows that it's a vampire. Um, it's it plays on the comedy this more than you get in a lot of eerie stuff. It could fit in a mad magazine, put it that way. It's got that sort of cartooning style to it. But uh, I, I, I was just sort of thought oh, I'm just going to randomly pick an issue, and I read this the first thing I read, and I'm like, fucking hell, I've never read that before. Ain't that good? You know, why don't That's people great. talk about this? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one of those sort of things. Um, but yeah, from March 1971 nice and people are still living off that now yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah dan what's yours mine's from uh eerie 11 <clears throat> and it's called big change and uh it follows the story of two uh racials as well like kind of criminal freeloaders a man and a woman they're like a couple going around getting out of shenanigans <clears throat> and on the run <laughs> from the police so they get on the train somewhere else in the states and they realize there's this old boy who's got a load of money so their plan is uh, get the him married to the the girl, kill him, and then get all his money. But all the way through, like he's taking this medicine, and he's like, "Quick, you got to give me my medicine before." And then he says, "Oh, don't worry, dear. Here's your medicine." And he keeps saying, "You got to give it to me before." So right, right. Where's this gonna go? So when they're married, they <laughs> say, "Right, we're gonna fucking not give him the medicine. He's gonna die." But it's actually to stop him transforming into a werewolf, which he does. Oh, uh, cool. And then. Yeah. Uh, rains down holy heroin, uh, terror on both of them uh it's a really nice little twist and basically his whole family is been crippled with this uh lycanthropism is that the word and they have to take this medicine which makes them crippled and they can only stand these in a wheelchair but actually he's quite a sprightly 
fellow when when he stopped takes in it and uh at the end he's like oh actually i quite liked having people around the house i'll put a wanted ad for a maid and a butler in the paper <laughs> yes so all's all's well that end well there one. you go happy uh, ending yeah Nice. Yeah. nice so that's the and, first first three i mean dan i mean when when you're reading it what's what kind of experience did you have guys sort of reading these in terms of well, i've read a lot warren um and um you always know there's something nasty is going to end up <laughs> you know it and then they they took full advantage of not having to go through the comics code mm. so it does get a bit lively in them it's the the, the different artists so there's you know there's there's a, a a fluidity a more of a sort of cool style to it than a lot of the ec stuff may be um more of a european style put it that way i suppose yeah um, i think i think art, some artists sort of they push it a little more than you see in other um yeah sort of tales like for instance i mean ditko's I, in a lot of them yeah you know, there's and, some really interesting I, characters i read a ditko a fantastic one about this guy stayed in a hotel um it's only a couple of pages long but there's like things in the mirror this mirror um, no one does a shocked face better than Ditko, yeah. I think. And it's brilliant, yeah. but like the layers that he's got with like inks and like w- whether it's like watercolors yeah. or, or like ink washes or whatever, I'm not used to seeing that. I mean, I don't know yeah. Steve Ditko as much as many people are out there. But, you know, when you think of Steve Ditko, Ditko you obviously think of the Marvel comics, don't you? You, you know, the shorthand, yeah. that way of colouring. So seeing this was like a whole different perspective of an artist. Yeah. And just thinking, wow! Like the, these these guys and gals could just just put their foot down. Um, funny, I mean, funny enough, in my story, there's there's a <clears> bit <throat> of uh, Ayn Rand. He he takes the piss out of Ayn Rand in that as well. Which right, obviously, okay. Ditko was a massive fan of, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about Ditko in that. Yeah, it's good that they kind of like uh, some of the art, like we're going back to the old school kind of pen and inks, and you're getting texture and kind of all that kind of stuff. You explored with the pen and ink and not going on to the digital color and stuff or using color. I really like, uh, for me, horror and black and white. It's like, yeah, that's my fucking jam. See, that scary, nasty, weird element was also present in a lot of the early 2000 AD that I was reading around yeah. the same time as yeah. well. Yeah, And I think that really works for comics. We don't see enough of it, to be fair. I always preferred 2000 AD in black and white. Uh, the colored yeah. stuff never really i don't mind the covers and stuff and pinups whatever but generally i really like it in black and white it's the mm. the kind of the starkness of it yeah i'm helps finding, I'm finding it more enjoyment out of a lot of black and white stuff these days actually mm. and uh i mean but it's interesting. Depends on the story in the comic. Exactly, yeah, yeah absolutely and uh, that was interesting because i because part of this bundle you get like uh one of the recent dark horse eerie volumes one of their you know their recent collections the new ones they'll be doing and there's some of those that don't hit for me. Yeah, okay. there, there's a there's a modern story way of storytelling and like whether and there's some brilliant artists and I see I I read them and I think fair enough but it I don't think it fits with this. The, the yeah the new one was American Comic Science as well. Um, they didn't do it as a magazine size format and something about those American those magazines almost yeah. made it feel more adult more dangerous for me in a way I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, there's a. I, I don't know. I'm. I think I'm gonna find more more joy out of a lot of like the older. So we're gonna do one of these every week, are we? Is that the yeah, plan? D- yeah, just pick no, out a little story. Say, yeah. okay, here's the volume. Here's nice. the here's the issue. Check out this one. Um, when we're yeah, the artists are fucking amazing in these comics. Oh, just yeah. oh, loving it. Yeah. I, don't be surprised, listeners, if you see me just posting some screenshots of look at this panel, look at this page, because seriously, some of the one you posted today, mate, I fucking love in it. I'll print that one, out and have it on my wall. Yeah. yeah, in volume one as well. There's a um, there's an issue called uh, the invitation, 
Um, and there's a the beginning of that, the first page of that story is unreal. <laughs> it's unreal. Um, if only I knew who the artist was, but I'll, I'll post that as well. I'm going to be posting a lot of like wonderful black and white art, basically. That's what I'm telling you. The internet, I'll tell you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, speaking of the internet, uh, let's talk about some comics and where they can get them. Because um, uh, we've already started the recommendations, because Reed Eerie, that's my recommendation. Yeah. Um, but we've also got some other. 20 quid well spent, that was. Indeed. And uh, Tony, do you want to go first? Yeah, so my first one is Bubbles, issue 17. I'd like to give a regular shout-out to this magazine because I really do think that it's um, the backbone of American and UK-based underground comics, and I think people really need to know about it. Um, it's only £8. Um, little hint for people in the UK because it's not always easy to get it. Um, you can get it through Third Bear Press or you can put it on your pull list at Gosh as well, which I do, even though it's not distributed through Diamond. Third Bear will get it to you and, and Gosh get regularly sent it. So that's a little little clue to you. It really is part of that um you put it ecosystem really of US underground and indie. It it's it's integral to it now. Um, especially in the sort of recommendations and stuff. And this is um but it also box ticks the nostalgic stuff as well. And I, I think there's a book in here you'll like, Dan. Um it starts off with an interview with MS Harkness. Do you remember we talked about it at her when I reviewed <laughs> pardon me, Rust Belt Review? And it's the one where she blows up her boyfriend's ball bag and floats away from a bank robbery. Do you remember? (laughs) (laughs) Um, This has got to be a really, I'm not sure, but I think this is a really up-to-date interview because he starts off it by asking her how she's enjoying TCAF, which is only, which isn't that long ago. Um, She's done another book called Tinderella, which is an autobiocomic, which is is pretty good as well. And actually goes somewhere. People take some chances in it. Um, Comics creator Dash Shaw, he writes quite a funny piece about, how he pretends that he read the inkle but he thinks he does he's not sure which is i think understandable for a lot of people who think they've read the inkle at some point you know um the there's um but it's bizarrely illustrated with eisner spirit panels where a page a page of a newspaper blows into the spirit's face which i thought was applicable it's strange (laughs) um there's a great chat between josh bayer and raymond pettibone um, which echoes content in a book that I'm currently in the middle of reading called um, Unended, which is Josh Bayer's new graphic novel that I bought from him um, at um, SPX. Massive Bayer fan, man. He he, he is great. Um, and I haven't finished it yet, yet, but already it's in the top 10 this year for me, I've got to tell you. Wow. Um, and they talk influences and approach and all this sort of thing. Is I would say Bubbles probably on its own is worth it just for that interview. There's a great thought piece on... Um, on what is real and what is fantasy in comics and how it should be addressed through the comics medium, which is just this really interesting thought piece. I thought, how do you counterpoint and compare reality when it switches to fantasy on a page? That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. How do we do it? Yeah. Um, what do we think when it happens? And he uses four graphic novels to illustrate that. Um, there's a two-pager, a com- this is comics in it as well. There's a two-pager called Park Jerk um, by Carla Paloma about um, a dude who tells his female friend um, whether she wants to hear it or not about the sexcapades and boning he did on holiday. Um, and then there's this, I think I texted you with this, guys, earlier, didn't I? There's this great concept um, they have in there, which is 10 comics with. And if if you moved somewhere and you had no books or comics, what would you buy back first? And the guest oh. comes on and he thinks, well, you know, what, I mean, it's, it gets the mind working, doesn't it? But for That's ourselves. a nightmare scenario. Yeah. Firstly, it'd break your heart, wouldn't it? But secondly, you would think, well, what would I get straight away? So have it on the shelf, have it available. And it's not necessarily 
the books that you've had real moments with. It might be the, you know, there's a lot to it, isn't there? So it's quite an interesting one. Um, there's a round table about comics in China. Uh, and then there's a piece uh, by Buddy Shah about um, Takakiko Inui's Vagabond Samurai comic. Have you read that, anyone? No, no, no. no. You'd like that, Vagabond. You'd like it. I think you both like it, especially you, maybe you, Dan. It's really good. Um, there's loads of recommendations in Bubbles. Um, uh, it's nice to see, actually, that we've recommended on here a lot of the comics that they cover. Um, so it's kind of nice that we know what we're talking about compared, because Bubbles is the hotness, isn't it? You know, um, And he also does re- quick reviews of books he's been sent, which is quite nice. Um, and there's a nice, on the back page, there's a nice advert for my new buddies at Atomic Books. So go to, if you're in the States, go to bubblezine.com. You can go to bubbles-zine on Instagram. If not, go to Third Bear Press, get a copy there. I think he's got a back catalogue of what they've got there, as has Gosh. They've, he's got, they've got a few of the back issues in there. But uh, yeah, it's just a nice read. It's not expensive. It's fairly cheaply black and white produced. It has the same paper stock on the cover as it does inside. It's just this stapled uh, magazine size magazine that's just about comics. It's great. Yeah, so get on that, Bubbles. That's my first one. Nice. Yeah, nice. Dan, what's yours? I dipped back into, I'm a little bit behind, so I've got caught up. I've done, read, issue, read issues two and three of Void Rivals. Oh, Have cool. you guys been oh, yeah. reading this? Yeah. yeah. I read issue two, but I haven't, I haven't continued with it yet. I need to. I need to get back into it. Do you want me to do there's a, spoil, a little bit of a spoiler of a character coming up in it? I'm all right do, with do it. Do you want me to Warnings to the listeners. So, like, the, the two... It's great. I'm really enjoying this. It's a real great sci-fi comic. The two characters kind of like from opposing sides and factions realize that there's a lot more in common between them and their respective homeworlds than perhaps they they realize. And they sort of team up to kind of get off this world they've been stranded on. Uh, One of the big reveals in the first issue was and this is set in the same universe as the, the Transformers, which issue one of the new series by Danny Warren Johnson starts uh october 8th i think it comes out oh is it next week is it okay yeah so that's going to be that's going to be a big comic uh i'm not sure what they're calling is it the energon universe or something something like that yeah Yeah. so the the two of them kind of like cobble together their spaceship and and take off and end up in uh the space and they land on this kind of uh an orbital ring which is part of the story and one of the creatures on there is a a quintesson and if you're you're au fait with the transformers that's another race in uh the big whole transformers universe so it's, i thought it was just going to be a little nod to one of the characters in it in previous in issue one but obviously there's a lot more to it and just i kind of got to issue three and as soon as i finished it i was like oh man i want to fucking go and read four now yeah but well i'm gonna do that <laughs> it's, it's, it's one but of it's those re- comics that's a bit like um Miller's comics as well. It's bring for me. It's bringing back that new comic book day excitement. Yes. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's like, man, these are the kind of comics I really enjoy reading and really like. I, I kind of want to read this when it comes out. I should be getting back on it when they do drop. I get the next issue because this, this you're along for the story. The art's great. The story's great. It makes you want to just find out what's going on. It's just it's always moving forward. Each issue is moving forward like. The story's progressing. It's going somewhere. There's all these hidden motives and agendas, and yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I, I can't recommend it re- enough, really, just to get on board and, and go check it out. Lots cool. of fun. Nice, good one, man. Nice. My one uh, this week uh, is another issue one. Yes, I'm going to keep doing this every single good. week now. <laughs> um, and it is um, from Image Comics by uh, Ryan Stegman. 
And uh, hang on, I just want to make sure I get the credits completely right for this book because I don't want to leave anyone out. And if you go by um, just a, a stupid Amazon page, you never get them right, do you? <laughs> um, story by Ryan Stegman and Kenny Porter. Art by Terrell Cannon. Colours by Mike Spicer. Letters and design by John J. Hill. This is one that you may have seen on the internet. This is uh, somewhere, this is issue one of The Schlub. Oh, I've heard about okay. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't read it though. No, um, well, I did, Tony. And, mm, well uh, done, what, you. What, thank you. What is the schlub? Well, basically, um, failing dentist Roger Dalton blames the world for his problems. Until he is body-swapped with the world's greatest superhero, can Roger save Earth and finally prove to his family he's not a loser, or are we all doomed? Um, it's a body-swap superhero story, which... Oh, um, cool. I, 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 do you know what? I didn't know any of that going into that. I know, this that's the first time I've ever read that <laughs> synopsis um, because I saw bits of artwork. A huge fan of uh, Terrell's work as well. He did. Um, he's been doing some like the Alien fanzine comic that we talked about um, a, a while ago, and he's 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 been sort of. Oh um, yeah, I got that actually. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I bought it off him at uh, New York. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is his first sort of image comic series, so he was hugely excited about. And uh, his art sings in this. Um, we we're talking about black and white art. I, I would love to see the black and white pages as well. I mean, the the colours by Mike Spicer are great. It is a sort of a it's a bright daytime Technicolor sort of comic book, uh, like a superhero book. Um, and immediately, just you get st- stuck in the story. Pretty much tells you that that Roger Dalton is he's basically shit it says within the first couple of pages he sucks this is why he's rubbish and he, but he blames the world for like his failings um and as he's uh, as he's there's a brilliant first page which is the classic from within someone's mouth as a dentist is working on them um but he's not even really paying attention to it fully so there's lots of like visual and physical physical comedy going on and then all of a sudden that that little scene is disrupted when a superhero fight bursts through um, the dentist's office, and uh, is it Cirrus or Cirrus? Yes, I think is is the character's name. And uh, you've got one guy who basically sucks, and the superhero is yeah. amazing. And it basically talks about like how how awesome is he is. He's like he's basically like this this comic sort of Superman, but he's fighting with like a, a villain and the design, character designs are great the, the actual superhero um design kind of like it felt like um rather than being like a superman it, ha- it had a sort of like a 90s image or like you know malibu's prime kind of like those kind yeah, of influences yeah, yeah. to it you know this is a big bulky and terrell's work has that sort of big bulky muscles all muscles on guns as it is um sorry there's a spaced reference for you. um but they're also mm. the the villain is is like a brilliant sort of sci-fi it's like a he's like a corpse he's like a sorcerer who's a corpse who's kept the body alive so he can get the macguffin which they're both fighting over at the moment at that this particular sort of alien shard while they're fighting it gets dropped roger picks it up and goes what does this do and he presses it and it swaps him with the hero. Um, it said in the synopsis is a body swap story, so I haven't spoiled anything for you there. Um, when I was reading it, I didn't expect the body swap story, so I was kind of like, "Oh, that's what we're getting, is it?" I don't know why I did. I, did, I didn't know quite what I was going to get with this issue. 
Um, the thing that makes it different for me, for, for me really, is like the the main character, the the protagonist. Um, it's like this amazing superhero has been put in this this sort of schlubby body, and he's got to figure out what to do. Now he's like in like in a normal overweight man's sort of body, whereas this guy who's a bit of a dickhead suddenly has has the powers of a god, and he's got an axe to grind with some of his like family or like people he's fallen out with. So you got the the character saying, "You just look. You need to control your powers because if you don't do this, you, the, the world is doomed." But you put those powers in the mind of someone that is so small-minded they think about their own personal goals. <laughs> so, the, so the story immediately, the cliffhanger for the first e- issue sort of makes you think, all right, this is... And it even sort of says, this is not going to go well. I, I, I thought, oh, that's quite... You know, that's a nice sort of take on it. I'm not I'm not normally uh, sort of a, a body swap sort of story guy, really. Um, okay. But this one, you know, I was interested... Interesting seeing how it's delivered. I'm interested to see like issue two. I'm with a lot of these. I'm going to try and get an issue two to see where this goes. See if it delivers on the on the first issue. Um, I know one thing. It's going to look absolutely great. It was it was also interesting to me that this was a, a Stegman sort of concept as well. Um, yeah. So um, maybe a it, it might be born of like a bunch of creators to uh, conventions just sort of saying should. We, coming up with a concept yeah. and then just doing it it's got that kind of, it's got an energy to it like that that i feel this book has a lot more energy than well a lot of superhero sort of books have really there's there's effects and there's action and there's big big lettering um i, th- I mean i i would say i mean dan i'd be interested to see what you think of this first issue yeah yeah yeah. Um, sounds great yeah because it is it there's a modern sort of sensibility it, it does a lot of things there is a, a little uh, cameo from Dan, daniel warren johnson Nice, running away from giant alien monsters uh, with a murder. I, I knew it was him because he's got a big beard, baseball cap, and a murder falcon T-shirt. Oh, and he's uh, right. carry, he's carrying pens when he's running away. So I'm guessing there yeah, must be him. Uh, but no, the schlub number one. It's another um, tick. Who put um, that? Is that I mean, an image book? You say that sorry. is an image book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the one thing, like the the cover, is. Um, no, the cover's great. The cover is great, but it's almost like it should be a little more bombastic. It, it's a fascinating one because you have the the mighty hero sort of in the background, and you've got this this normal guy, sort of a little Danny DeVito sort of squat little figure in front of him. Um, and it's interesting in the, in the way that you look more at the little guy at the front than you do at the the big figure behind. It's an interesting the way where the eye is drawn. It it kind of works as a as a whole, but it's definitely seems like the focus is on this this pudgy little bastard who's, who could uh, doom us all. So yeah, the schlub from Image. Um, check it out. See what you think. Let 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 me know what you think. Um, and uh, yeah, another issue one in the bag. Tony. Nice. What would you like? To yeah, do? last one. The Troublemakers by Baron Yoshimoto. Two hundred forty-eight pages, black and white, and color. So it's, it does that um, manga thing of has some stories have an opener of four pages okay. in color. Yeah. <clears throat> Edited and translated by Ryan Holmberger, we've talked about before and is closely associated with um rights articles for bubbles actually. Published by Retrofit, who we haven't talked about for a while, but Retrofit are 
in partnership with Avery Hill. So they're kind of, in a way, they're like the American Avery Hill because they have a distribution model where they each distribute each other's books um, in the UK and in America. It takes place mostly in post-war Japan, um, which, as we've you know, we previously experienced in books when we did Manga Month, especially as a time of much change. And there's a, there's a lot of darkness in Japan at the time. Um, this addresses mostly normal people, although there is a sort of wartime action element to a part of it. Um, Yoshimoto was one of the pioneers of Gekiga in Japan, um, which was the book aimed at an older audience in the 60s and 70s. And even Tezuka would follow some of his work um, in tone. The warning, so <clears throat> as with a lot of this manga that we've seen that's been translated, it, it is of its time. So there's a there is racism, there's sexuality, there's okay. a lot of men men and women interacting in perhaps ways that we wouldn't find acceptable now, but are historically accurate, you know, in the country. Um it's dark but very enthralling, and there's in all of them a redemption arc. It's not like it ends badly for everyone. There is there is a form of redemption in what happens. Um the first story is um you'll you'll understand what I'm saying. The first story is um Eriko's happiness. And this again the morals of the time but she's a girl who's about to leave high school which makes her i look this up make sure i makes her 18 and she spends two hours a week with an older businessman in his flat he's got one of those sort of city okay. flats he's clearly a i would say probably a married man with children but he he works in big business in in this japanese city i'm taking it's tokyo and he has a flat and she spends two hours a week with him feeds sparrows on the balcony enjoys the time in the flat and but also has sex with him and she cher weirdly cherishes it. Um, there's a strange cross between sexuality, naivety, and um, almost a Stockholm syndrome. Um, and it ends with something bad happening to two people, but not her, which is an interesting way to tell the story. It's so interesting. It's so, you know, engrossing to follow these stories. There's a story called um, Nostalgia, which is a man who is, starts off with him by the sea. And he's a, he's he's in a Japanese small town by the sea, and he's not he's not Japanese. He's a stranger, um, and a, he's because of that he works for a farming regiment. I'm guessing, and so the army were employed to farm the land and stuff like that. You know, try and get Japan back on its feet after the after the horrors at the end of the Second World War. And he's every day a girl comes to see him, and she looks at his art paintings and she comments on it and she ends up saying like i like coming to see you every day i like to see your eye and i like to chat to you and he's, he's very struck by this and there's a lovely twist at the end of that which you you have to pay attention with or you'll miss um giving up a reasoning why she enjoyed the company of this loner almost it, it really interesting the, the, there's a really um, um effective story called the girl and the black soldier which is very much of its time but is again Puts you through it, but comes out with the right decision. Put it that way, and it's uh, an action piece, um, and it, it very much does reflect. It, it happens in France between a French girl and a black GI, but it reflects the atmosphere that was going on in China, in um, Japan at the time. If that makes sense. Um, the artwork. If you looked at this book, you'd think it's a different artist in every story. Right, okay. Wow. Yeah, really interesting. Um, this is much looser, but it's got some fantastic and fast-moving action scenes in it, but has this thing that happens. And it plays on preconceptions, you know, that people have. That's why, you know, a lot of racism exists, because people presuppose stuff which they perhaps shouldn't do. Um, 
Yeah, very different. Holmberg uses the phrase um, "trashy stereotypes" when he talks about the writing. In this, is a great there's a great article at the back, and that's I think that's a great descriptor for this and a lot of other books at the time. Um, he, but the Baron, as I like to call him, he, he really does handle real people really interestingly, and he, he was a guy who lived a life. There's a there's a comment by Holmberg in the back that says he um, he spent a lot of time with strippers, war heroes. And he had, and he, and he gives that faint realism. He gives that that taint of realism about them. Um, he did it really interesting. I'm, I'm so desperate to read this, but it's just not translated. He did a nine thousand page comic um, called Legends of Judo Chivalry. Jesus Christ, um, nine thousand. How good is that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> he not had, not um, if it's boring. Nine thousand no, fucking pages. Oh, Jesus, looks amazing. But he, he says he had a knowledge of gambling and the sex industry. So I don't know what old the Baron... I sent you a picture of him earlier. Do you remember? Yeah. He was like a Japanese dude with a cowboy yes. hat. And yeah, like, yeah. Fucking, he, what a dude. Yeah. What a fucking dude. So he did all these comics in the 70s, in the late 60s, in the 60s and the, the 70s, all the way through to, to 1980. And he went, now nah, fuck this. And he, he travelled to America, didn't do any more comics, came back and then was a fine artist and would just do paintings and stuff. He says, oh, I've done that. And he's kind of like, he's one of those blokes who just does it, ruled it, and then said, I'll move on now. You know, all these sort of things. Uh, and he also does, as I've said, dress up like he's a 1970s Western country and Western singer, which I kind of admire. Um, but there's very little other than an art book you can find on Amazon. There's there's virtually nothing there translated by him. So I kind of applaud Holmberg and Retrofit for bringing this stuff back. Because he, he, Holmberg was responsible for um, Bat Kid as well. Do you remember that book? The you know, sort of post-war um, thing that I talked about a while ago, but yeah, the troublemakers, masterclass in storytelling, just brilliant. Oh, like Baron, great! Ba- if fuck, this is pen name. Think of a pen name, Baron Yoshimoto. That's a pen name I'd want. Yeah, it's great. Baron's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the Count Vincent Hunt. It's like just calling yourself that and just going. Yeah, yeah, you know mm-hmm. it's like yeah. Um, just give cool. yourself a title. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Lord, uh, Lord Dan Butcher. Works yeah. <laughs> for me, Lordy yeah. Lord, the Lord. Um, so the loads boss. of comics too for you to check out and get get your hands on and discover, read, enjoy, be influenced by all of that good stuff. And we hope you enjoyed this week's episode and everything that we talked about. And just to basically, um, we got back on the rails a little bit towards the end. Yeah, it went alright. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It went a bit. It went a little bit off. Yeah, some good yeah. stuff there. Yeah. Some observing viewers might notice we didn't go. Yeah, we were a little bit off. We, we managed there, to get back to the, <laughs> to our everyday high bar of mediocre. Which, yeah. So we're, we're doing all right. Um, but if there's anything you want us to talk about, especially um, now it is the spooky season leading up to Halloween special, if there's any comics uh, or comics events or if you've got any fundraising or anything you want us to talk about. The UI3 episodes. will be soon, guys. Ooh. Any minute. Yeah, keep, yeah. keep an eye Can't wait. Um, yeah. But please... Our comic's very uh, halloween isn't it? Oh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, yeah, bit, yeah. nice bit of spooky action from... I've got, I got a proof copy here, so I've got it. Yeah, hey, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so if there's anything you want us to talk about, there's several different ways you can get in touch with us. You can email us, awesomecomicspod at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at the Awesome Pod. We'll be retweeting just good stuff and just comics positivity, which is what you will find on the Awesome Comics Podcast Slack community. 
wonderful group of people on there get in touch with us join that group there's there's different channels there's different discussions whether it be from books you just bought maybe you want uh tips on the, the kickstart you're running or just keep the conversation going on this particular episode and more and just everything's on there so yeah please join that because it's fantastic and uh as is well our listeners of which you are one and thank you for very much Thank you for very much. It's uh, we're we're all so <laughs> we tired doing? this week. Oh, I'm so tired <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, they've. Um, I, I've lost it now. I was the last one to go, like a horror movie. Yeah, uh, like a horror movie. I thought I survived, and this is the final girl. <laughs> I'm always the final girl, baby. Depends uh, um, <laughs> what. I mean, it depends what you're doing. Well, but uh, that's, if that's you're doing you... any, go on. No, you go on. I feel like I'm looking forward to Sorry. this. Go on. Now, I was going to say, if you kind of, uh, this is more serious matter, there's kind of loads of Halloween stuff going on and, and Dross and uh, Inktober. Is that still a thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. There's yeah, a comment kind of comments on about, are we going to have an Inktober's thread? And I think we probably should have. I think we should, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. So anything you're doing, uh, there's loads of prompts and loads of things out there, and that's kind of, uh, what happened to that Inktober thing? That was a big drama over that, and it kind of all, kind of never Oh, really is that guy when he rang the invented it or something? Didn't yeah. he try to monetize it when everyone yeah. was like, fuck off? It's the internet yeah. kicked, kicked off, but people are just the internet, and it. going doing what they do. Um, and what they it's do- one of those things you make everything free and everyone uses it, and then suddenly it's like, well, actually, I own this, and now you can't use it unless you pay your money. So, no, mate, don't no, worry no, about that. That doesn't. That's not how it works. But what it does, what it does work like is we say thank you for listening to us, whether it's yeah, on, uh, the website or awesome comics. I, that. That, I don't know. It really got me going. No, whether it is on the website awesomecomics.podbean.com if you listen to us on Apple Apple Podcasts leave a review Mm. say something nice subscribe Mm. help the algorithm and all of that stuff we really appreciate it because we shout about loads of books that you may not know about so it's always better to get the word out into the open the wide open world Um, and elsewhere if you found us on other networks such as Spotify Amazon Stitcher Podnose Podknife what are the networks we on Tony? We're on the pod network, lions, not sheep. Indeed. And uh, speaking of which, wherever you found us, um, sometimes we can be found elsewhere or our work and uh, various other stuff. Where can people find us, Tony? Uh, Neverunanything.com. Dan. You can read Vanguard uh, at vanguardcomic.com. I'm just uh, shaping up issue 22. They'll probably be releasing later this year. Uh, And you can find me... That's my oh yeah, no. <laughs> uh, and I'm still kind of hanging on by fingernails on Twitter, but no one else seems to be kind of frequenting that much anymore. I did make a Steven Seagal joke on there, which I thought was that went good. well. Yeah. yeah, that went well. Yeah. You can find Goodbye. me on social media at Jester Diablo. Thank you once again to Gio for joining us this week to talk Thanks, about Gio. this comic. Definitely check out um, just the beast. Go to American mythology. Yeah, yeah, get stuff yeah. There. So the Beast of Barrow Boulevard and more. And uh, yeah, stay tuned because we'll be talking. If you ever look at his Twitter, he's posted the cover for issue two and it's fucking spot on. Nice. Nice. So do that now. Go do that now. Well, actually. Right now. Right now. Once we've hung up, which we're going to do now. So wherever you are in the world, we hope you're happy, healthy, reading loads of comics and just making loads of comics. Right. Try creating a little spooky short comic. Yeah. Go on. Or write a three page script. Yeah, and send yeah, it to us, go. and then you never, you never know what how it might materialise. Yeah, but we're gonna. You could go on. You could send that off to 
a big boy, and they're like, oh my god, they got the the chops I, to write we comics. We don't want a, a, a big boy. Calm down, Dan. We're not that podcast. No, no, you know what I mean. Like if we, if I drew it, and he was like, "Oh my god, this art shit," but the script's great. Here's a, here's that's, a contract to work at DC for this. That's blasphemous talk, Dan. I won't have that. <laughs> I won't have that. It will look awesome. And you, lovely people out there, are awesome. So wherever you are in the world, we hope you're reading lots of comics you like and mm. making lots of comics that you love. You're happy, healthy, and doing great. And in the next week or so, until you hear our voices being very unprofessional, what should they do, guys? Stay awesome. Stay awesome. See ya. Bye. I'm not saying Dan saying doesn't yet. even say bye now. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for him to say something. Yeah.